Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Program. Tom McSweeney here with the program about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, a very personal maritime experience for a child. One of the oldest stories about me is that I wandered away from home when I was a kid and went down the docks to see what was going on down there and I loved it. And I went down there ever since. Uh, especially when my father's ships would be coming in. Singer-songwriter Johnny Dewan describes the maritime experience which led to him writing The Voyage and making the sport of sailing available to everyone, including disabled people. I think at this stage people now realise the benefits of sailing and the therapeutic effect being underwater can have on people. So the numbers and those interests that have grown over the last number of years... This Island Nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme, a reflective radio show about the sea, coming to you from the studios of CRY 104FM in Yole on the East Cork coastline and bringing together through the community radio network the maritime community around Ireland. And on this edition, we welcome listeners to Community Radio Castle Bar who join our family of the sea. It's great to be joined by listeners in County Mayo. Welcome aboard Community Radio Castle Bar. Fifty years of surveying seabirds is a long time, and it has shown how important Ireland is in the preservation of international species. As Niall Hatch reports from the headquarters of Birdwatch Ireland in Kilcool, County Wicklow. 2019 is an important year for Birdwatch Ireland, as it marks 50 years since the foundation of the organisation. From humble beginnings, when it was first known as the Irish Wildbird Conservancy, over the past five decades it has grown to become Ireland's largest and most active conservation charity, supported by 15,000 members across the country and with a network of 20 nature reserves and 30 local volunteer-run branches. Over the course of those 50 years, Ireland's bird life has changed dramatically. There have been winners, certainly, with vulnerable seabird species such as Rosia Tern and Gannet having undergone marked population growth, as well as the colonisation of our island by new breeders such as Little Egret and Mediterranean Gull. Birds of prey are also much more visible in our landscape than they were back in 1969, with formerly persecuted species such as buzzard, peregrine falcon, red kite, golden eagle and white-tailed eagle now back once more in their rightful places in our skies. Sadly, there have been losers too. Many of our farmland birds, most notably the corncrake and curlew, have been pushed to the brink of extinction, and one species, the once abundant corn bunting, finally became extinct here in 1991. Our landscapes, and in particular our agricultural lands, have changed beyond all recognition, and many species have struggled to cope. It is our seabirds, however, that really allow Ireland to punch above its weight in ornithological terms. Survey work over the past 50 years has shown that our country is home to internationally important breeding colonies of many vulnerable and globally threatened seabird species, and we now know that the majority of the world populations of two in particular, the European storm petrel and the Manx shearwater, rear their chicks on our offshore islands. As a key part of its 50th anniversary celebrations, Birdwatcherland has launched a brand new, completely overhauled website, packed with information on Ireland's seabirds and other avian treasures. Visit www.birdwatcherland.ie to see it for yourself. 
2019 is also highly significant to Birdwatch Ireland for another reason. It marks the 60th anniversary of the founding of our dedicated bird observatory on Cape Clare Island, off the West Cork coast. The observatory actually predates Birdwatch Ireland by a decade. At the time of its establishment, there were already bird observatories on Torrey, Salty and Copeland, but of these, only the Copeland Observatory, off the coast of County Down, is still in operation. This means that today Cape Clear boasts the sole surviving dedicated bird observatory in the Republic of Ireland, where methodical bird survey work, ringing and monitoring programmes have continued uninterrupted for six decades, a remarkable achievement, not to mention an invaluable scientific and conservation resource. The observatory continues to go from strength to strength, and in addition to its traditional scientific work, is now also the base for Birdwatch Ireland's annual programme of popular bird identification, survey and conservation courses. It is open year-round to paying overnight guests who come to enjoy the island's rich bird life, heritage and scenic views. To celebrate the 60th anniversary of the OBS, as it is widely known, Birdwatch Ireland is holding the inaugural Cape Clare Wildlife Festival, running from 2nd to 14th September and organised by our resident Cape Clare Wildlife Officer, Steve Wing. The festival will be opened by the well-known London-based birder, author and TV presenter David Lindo, aka The Urban Birder, with a presentation on, you guessed it, urban birding. We have an action-packed range of exciting events lined up over the course of the festival, including guided wildlife walks, seabird watching, whale watching in conjunction with the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, bird ringing demonstrations, natural history walks with resident ecologist Jeff Oliver, and fun family wildlife days. All events are free and everyone is welcome. For full details, visit www.birdwatchireland.ie. sailor and you're my first mate we signed on together couple of fate raised up our anchor determined not to fail for the heart's treasures together we set sail the Voyage, one of the most popular ever songs with strong maritime association, performed by many of Ireland's leading singers and written by one of them, Johnny Doohan, who's also sung it and whose new book of autobiographical stories is also called The Voyage. Launching it at Waterstone's bookshop in Cork, he recalled how, born in Limerick, the marine sphere came to have an influence on his life. My father was a sailor, uh, and ever since I was a kid, in fact, it's... One of the oldest stories about me is that I wandered away from home when I was a kid and went down the docks area just to see what was going on down there, and I loved it. And I went down there ever since, uh, especially when my father's ships would be coming in, you know, and uh, I remember going there. It's in one of the books I've written, you know, going there with my mother when I was only a toddler, and I remember his ship coming in. And I even remember I was wearing a tam at the time and it fell in and the captain came out and fished it out of the water. So I've always had a, a grow for the ships. and the. So you've always had an interest in the maritime sector? I did. And I even dreamed of being a, a sailor myself at one stage, you know. But uh, when I hit 13 or 14, I started developing an interest in the blues. And my father had been to, um, he had been to New Orleans with his brother, and uh, he was always playing jazz and, and it kind of rubbed off on me and I eventually uh, developed a, a graph to go off with a band. So I was a professional musician by the time I was 16. 
And the voyage is probably the one which so many people think of. They see the lull of a boat, the movement of a boat, and the very way the song was written and the way the music goes. You can almost imagine a boat sailing nicely mm. through the water. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was also influenced, I think, in many ways by um, Robert Louis Stevenson's The Treasure Island, which I loved. It was one of the, my favourite stories, that and Moby Dick. I was attracted to the sailing kind of... And then the metaphor softened up uh, what would normally be a very... If you were to tell the truth about family life, it's, it, it can be quite hazardous at times, you know. I mean, it's getting through all the ups and downs. But uh, no, it was, the, um, it was the voyage that really took off. And your book, The Voyage, which you're launching now... Um, the voyage, it had to be called The Voyage, as I, I originally wanted to call it After the Dream, because I, I wrote another book called There is a Time, which dealt with my years on the road with the band. But the more I, I and it took me about 17 years to write this one, it uh, on and off, of course. Uh, but the more I, I, I went into this one, more and more of the chapters were related to the actual song itself, you know. And I, I like to look to, to, to say it, it kind of. The voyage song is is uh, is metaphorical. It's it's easy to to take the the whole marriage thing in, in in a song. But if you want to know exactly what underpins that song, it's it's all in this book. No, I mean you have to go through the hard times to actually to appreciate the the, the better times. Life is an ocean. Love is a boat in troubled waters keeps us afloat when we started the voyage there was just me and you but now look around us we have our own crew Johnny Doohan, his famous song The Voyage and his book The Second Volume of Autobiography as it has been described and also titled The Voyage is published by Bell Creations. Next to Voyages of Another Kind and described by Dr Simon Barrow in his monthly report from the headquarters of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group at Kilrush in County Clare. One of the great delights of being at sea in Ireland is when dolphins approach the vessel you are on and bow ride. That is, to swim with the pressure wave pushed through the water ahead of the boat's bow. A number of species will bow ride, including bottlenose dolphins, but it's the common dolphin that we mainly see bow riding in Ireland. Dolphins are thought to bow ride to save energy by being pushed through the water. We regularly see common dolphins bow riding fin and humpback whales off the south coast. Evolutionary, this might have been true, before humans created boats, but now it seems they do it for fun or because they can't help themselves. Common dolphins are indeed common off the south and west coasts of Ireland. Indeed, common dolphins are more abundant off southwest Ireland than anywhere else in European waters. They're not so common elsewhere. They also occur off the east and north coasts of Ireland, but aren't so frequent and are largely seasonal in the Irish Sea, mainly occurring in the autumn. Large numbers of common dolphins enter the Celtic Sea in the winter, attracted by the seasonal occurrence of pelagic fish such as herring and sprat. Common dolphins will move towards a vessel to bow ride for many, many hundreds of metres or even kilometres. This creates a problem when trying to estimate abundance as this behaviour results in an overestimate. 
A recent large-scale survey estimated up to 100,000 common dolphins occurred in Irish waters during the winter months and 30 to 40,000 during the summer. Common dolphins are the most frequently stranded species each year on Irish coasts, with an increase in strandings over the last decade. The cause of death of these strandings is being explored and range from disease and malnourishment to fisheries bycatch. Like a lot of common species, we don't always notice a decline or change until populations are in free fall. Maybe they become too familiar to us. Studies on common dolphins in Ireland are largely restricted to life history information on growth and reproductive rates and some information on diet, all from stranded animals. There is strong evidence that common dolphin distributions are changing with increasing water temperatures as they become more frequent further north off western Scotland. Abundant and widespread species are the barometers of the status of our oceans. Monitoring these species is essential, or else the joy of watching common dolphins twisting and turning on the bow of a vessel in clear blue seas will become a rare, not a common event. This is Dr. Simon Barrow of the Irish Well and Dolphin Group for This Island Nation. Being disabled is a very serious challenge in life, but in the sport of sailing there is opportunity for equality. Something I always remember from being reminded of that fact by a disabled lady I interviewed many years ago as she set sail alone and described the freedom she'd found by being able to sail a boat. That's also highlighted by the man who leads the training of disabled people to go sailing at Kinsale Yacht Club on the South Cork coastline. He's Donal Hickey. It's a great part of the National Sailing Development Programme by Irish Sailing and it's called Sailability. I think at this stage people now realise the benefits of sailing and the therapeutic effect being underwater can have on people. So the numbers and those interests that have grown over the last number of years. It's one of the few sports that, you know, once you have the use of your upper body in particular, it's one of the few sports that you can participate at any level, let it be competitive or, or just a casual sail out the harbour or something like that. Once you have the use of your upper arms, uh, it's, you know, sail a boat, the windows, the lot of the work. The, the sea does a lot of the work and basically you're talking about keeping rigging your sails and steering a boat. Does it require a lot of facility support from the club? Yes, well, we're looking in Kinsale because, you know, we've had, over the last number of years, we've had a huge support from the Kinsale Yacht Club. And the other thing that we've installed over the last number of years, we now have a hoist which assists people with physical disabilities to get onto their boat from the water. Is there any fear ever amongst them of the water because of their disability? Well, I suppose the first you have with anybody who takes up any sport, is there's obviously a doubt, there's obviously a fear. And the one thing that I've found in the past is that the biggest problem you have, the, the young person coming into us, there's a fear of the water at the outset. Mm. So once you put them through a programme and whereby you, you know, first of all, train them on the first aid side of it, train them on the safety uh, aspects of it, show them their own responsibilities. And once the fear gets out of their mindset, the benefits of being on the water come through very fast. I noticed at the club these lovely small little boats about eight feet or ten feet long, looking like a, a reduced... 12 metre or whatever. There's a National Sailability Company registered just only about a month ago now. So Sailability Boating Company Limited is now a registered identity in this country. And we've had, through the help of the ISA and some local fundraising, we now have the use of eight boats. Two of those, what we call 2.4, which are the boats you refer to, we have two of those which would be quite a high-performance boat and they would need somebody having had quite a bit of 
training and instruction to manage these, but they're beautiful lookers on the water. They're really smart. They're single-handed boat. And there's a very big class of them throughout Europe in particular. And the World Championship was held in Kinsale four years ago. So things are going very well. There's a lot of interest. Well, there is, you know, over the last number of years, as I said, I suppose the fact that people have now re- realised that there is a benefit by being on the water. And of course, as you know, we're all surrounded by acres and acres of water and every little cove in the country is accessible to a point. I have seen in my environment over the years that, you know, people who participate that may have had some difficulties either physically or mentally or otherwise, they seem to uh, benefit from the motion at sea. They seem to benefit from the therapeutic effect of being on the water. And they also seem to benefit from the fact that if they have a disability, they can now do a sport that may cater for both. Anybody who wants to have to come on the water for any reason, with any ability, they're more than welcome. And we should make that clear. It's not just racing, it's leisure sailing, it's enjoyment. It's the pure enjoyment of being on the water, the ability to do it. That's the big benefit of the sailability programme because we, have, we provide boats for people. So there's no cost in owning a boat. The boat is provided. We register you as part of the Yacht Club programme and the sailability programme nationally. That Therefore, we provide. There is no expense incurred other than the fact we'll ask you to bring your own life jacket or safety harness, whatever the case may be. Therefore, you have the use of a boat at, at your disposal. And we run, as I said, every Saturday morning, for, you get a minimum of one hour in the water. And if you have an interest in, in further educating yourself in the benefits and the, and the knowledge of boats, we will also have an, a qualified instructor to instruct you. One-to-one instruction is also available. That is still part of the package. So if somebody wants to or has the ability to uh, become a more active sailor, well, yes, we can provide the sailing tuition. And the season for sailability, how long does that run? Yeah, we, we try and start late uh, April and we run right up to the end of October. It's As you know, it's weather dependent. Last year we had 22 trips on the water in full year. And finally, Donald, the inclusion games are coming to Kinsale... Yeah, that's something that's the first time in Munster this is going to happen. It's happening in 24th and 25th of August, 19. That will highlight, I think, the, again, will show more, showcase more of the benefits of using water as a therapy for different issues. And uh, I think it's going to be a very big event. And lastly, there must be a lot of um, satisfaction, delight in being able to help people to get on the water. Yeah, well, you know, it was a big thing with, with, with this. I became involved... Uh, by accident as I said to you at the outset now a lot of the parents have come along and become very involved so there's no inactive committee I'm only the facilitator really but it's it's something that you know you see the benefits accrued and now the families are, are appreciating the benefits that their family members is accruing by it and over the last couple of years as well we also now have a, a family programme where we, may, we might have a parent and a child of somebody with disability so we instruct both of them together so they now have a sport they can participate in jointly and after Donald Hickey, we look overseas as well, as around the Irish coast, as Justin Marr brings us his roundup of other maritime news. Ireland's only surviving ocean going wooden sailing ship, the Island, is sailing to Greenland. The ship is following the migratory journey of salmon between the Shannon and West Greenland. Salmon's Wake is the title of the Island Project's Community and Schools Education Programme, highlighting the decline of salmon during the International Year of the Salmon. 
It's the longest ocean voyage of the vessel since 1926, when it went to the Falklands. Gary McMahon, director of the Island Company, said that the plan is to sail towards Cape Farewell on Greenland's southern tip and make landfall. This is the culmination of a lot of hard work by many in our community who helped us realise our vision of reimagining this impressive ship, Mr McMahon said. Staying with Greenland, researchers from the University of Sheffield in the UK have found what is described as a necklace of 56 previously unknown lakes beneath Greenland's ice sheet. Only four had been detected before the discovery. Greenland isn't alone in housing hidden lakes. Antarctica has 400 of them, but Greenland's are much smaller. A few are just 200 metres long, while others stretch out to six kilometres in length, the researchers found. By comparison, Lake Vostok, the largest subglacial lake in Antarctica, is 250 kilometres long. The world's first hybrid-powered cruise ship has entered service in Norway. Herti Gruden's MS Roald Amundsen, named after the famed Norwegian explorer of polar regions, is propelled partially by battery power. The vessel mainly runs on marine gas oil, but can switch to battery power for up to an hour at a time. The technology will reduce its CO2 emissions by more than 20% compared to ships of equal size, Herti Gruden says. Finally, an ancient Roman-era shipwreck filled with cargo and undisturbed at the bottom of the sea, has been found by archaeologists diving off the southeastern coast of Cyprus. The volunteer divers with the University of Cyprus's Archaeological Research Unit found the ship's remains off the coast of Protaras, a resort town known for its beaches. It was loaded with transport amphorae, which are large clay jars with handles and narrow necks that were used to carry wine and oil. They are thought to have been from Syria and ancient Cilicia on modern-day Turkey's southeastern coast. The study of the shipwreck is expected to shed new light on the breadth and the scale of seaborne trade between Cyprus and the rest of the Roman provinces of the eastern Mediterranean, the Department of Antiquities said in a statement. Justin Maher reporting there. Now to Galway and the headquarters of Water Safety Ireland, from where their chief executive John Leach brings the monthly report about water safety. 103 people drowned in Ireland last year, six fewer than in 2017, when 109 drowned, and this is the lowest overall figure in 80 years. Not since 1939 has the level of drowning been so low. However, For those 103 families, this is an awful, painful tragedy, and so we must all continue to work hard on raising awareness in regards to water safety and drowning prevention. Have a healthy respect for our aquatic environments and responsible behaviour around them. There was an increase of six mortalities in the number of accidental drownings from the previous year, which can be put down to the excellent summer that we had. In fact, In the Nordic countries and Northern Europe, they saw unprecedentedly high numbers of drowning mortalities during last year's heatwave. The main reduction of 13 was in self-harm and suicide drownings, which some people will suggest is as a result of a more buoyant economy and low unemployment. In addition to the 103 drownings at home, we had an additional 11 accidental drownings abroad, mainly while people were on holiday. This figure also concerns us as it is indicative of the greater number of people holidaying abroad. 
Our research over the years of these drownings builds a picture that the majority occur on the first day of the holiday and very often in the first few hours of it. Many swimming pools and beaches on the continent are not lifeguarded as they are private pools in apartment blocks or holiday villages. So we have an expectation that there is a lifeguard monitoring our safety until someone gets into difficulty and those around are unable to cope with the situation. There has been no appreciable changes in the drowning by gender. 79 were males and 24 were females. This is in keeping with the international average. In terms of age grouping, the majority are between the age of 45 and 64. From this we deduce that males of this age group tend to overestimate their skills and underestimate their abilities. So overall there were 43 mortalities in Leinster, 29 in Munster, 24 in Connacht and 7 in Donegal. In comparison to the same time last year, there have been eight fewer drownings to date. So I appeal to all listeners to take the following actions over the summer. Swim at lifeguarded waterways listed on our website. Swim within your depth, stay within your depth and ensure there is a ring buoy nearby. Escape a rip current by swimming parallel to the shore instead of swimming against it. Never use inflatable toys in open water as our wind and currents will sweep them away to sea. Wear a life jacket when boating or fishing from shore. Supervise children at all times near water. And if you do see somebody in difficulty, shout to the casualty and encourage them to come ashore. Reach out with a long object such as a branch of a tree or clothing and do not enter the water yourself unless you're a trained lifesaver. Or then throw a ring boy or any floating object and call 112 for the Coast Guard. So until next month, enjoy your aquatic activities and always wear a life jacket on or near the water and use your influence to further reduce the number of drownings on our island nation. John Leach ending this edition of the Maritime Programme This Island Nation, produced at CRY 104FM Yole on the East Cork coastline, with technical supervision by Justin Marr, and broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland, in Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South, on Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio, in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. Clare on Radio Kirkabashkeen, in Kilkenny on Kilkenny City Community Radio, in Limerick on West Limerick FM, 102 FM and in Mayo now on Community Radio Castlebar. It's on Cork City Community Radio and West Cork Gateway FM Bandon with podcasts on iTunes, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and the marinetimes.ie. And there's a monthly edition on the National Council for the Blind's audio magazine. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. And you can contact the programme on email to thisislandnation at gmail.com or by phone or text to 0872-555-197. That's email, thisislandnation at gmail.com, phone or text 0872-555-197. And there's a weekly blog on Facebook. Until our next programme from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing. 